I'm Alexa Ashley, and this is Eyes Wide. In this episode, we get to hear from actor, writer, and voiceover artist Dolores Reynolds. Dolores grew up in Argentina, has lived a nomadic lifestyle for over 20 years, and talks with us about living with curiosity and an open mind. So I'm the eldest of four kids, and after me came triplets, um, my brother and my two sisters. So my house was pretty crazy and fun, um, but very crazy. And we, so I grew up in a city called Mendoza at the feet of the Andes Mountains. It's a big enough city. So, so there was a lot to do and still, you know, surrounded by nature and at the border with Chile. So we got to go to Chile a lot. That was our escape from the city. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was good. What was it like growing up with that many people in your house? And in my house? Um, it was great because it was fun and I think you know, with your siblings is how you learn to function in the world, kind of. So we we had a lot of challenges between us because we were so close. We were only two years apart. So my mom had like four kids that were the same age. So there was a lot of battling between us. Um, but still, we managed to play all together a lot, too. So, so I had a lot of company. Um, and then I craved being alone very much. So for me, it was um, going to my grandmother's house. That's where I felt I could be alone or have some attention and, um, and like do my thing without somebody like taking my toys or breaking what I'm building or, you know. So that was my grandmother's house. And we all kind of took turns going to their home and then we could come, ba come back. <laughs> And you know, integrate back into the madness. <laughs> it was really mad, mad. Every night there was some something, some issue. My mom would come home to something going on, <laughs> some drama every single day. Uh, yeah. So, you were one of how many? Four. Four, and you were the only one that wasn't born at the same time. Yeah. What was that like? So they were, yeah, that's an interesting question. Because they, um, the three of them, even though they would fight a lot because they're three kids the same age and there was a lot of, well, obviously competition, etc. Um, and, you know, struggle for identity between them. Um, they have a bond that I can never understand, you know, I can never go in there. So if something's going up with one of them, the other one knows it, etc. That still happens today, even living in different parts of the world. So they had this thing that even, even if they were fighting, if I tried to be the referee or like the big sister, if I went in there uh, to defend one or fix something, the others would just like attack me kind of. Like I could never go in there. It was something, so I was, part of the four, but I was very much outside. Um, it's like I understood how to be a, keep myself outside of some something, you know? 
how to keep my distance from, like know where I cannot go in. Um, I mean, it sounds very dramatic. It wasn't so much like that, but but I couldn't. I, there's something that I couldn't go into. You know, and I would be like the big sister, but I couldn't go in there. Hmm. So yeah, if I ever try to calm something down in there, I would just put more wood into the fire. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I learned to not, uh, how do you say, like put your nose into where you don't belong, kind of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and, and still, um, they envied me because I had my, my own identity, you know? They, they were like, oh, you're so lucky, you're just one. Because they always had to fight for their place. So I felt a bit lonely sometimes because I wasn't part of something like they, the way they were. But then I, I, I learned to value the being alone, that part. Yeah, interesting. So then yeah. like your grandparents' house was like your mini escape for your, from your family? Oh yeah, it was an oasis. I would get <laughs> spoiled there. At home there was no chance of being spoiled. Oh wow. You know, we were so many, and my mom was tired. My, both my parents had their own businesses, so they would work even on weekends. And um, there was no being spoiled. You know, we would share everything. What was yours was everybody's. It was kind of like that. And at my grandmother's, it would be like, what would you like to eat, you know? And that kind of thing. Shall I bake you something? What? What? <laughs> it was like where we went to be spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Um. At your grandparents, it was like an escape from family. But then, kind of, Chile was your family's escape? Yes, yeah. Chile was, um, because, you know, if you want to go to the seaside, which is something you waited for all year, um, if you wanted to do that, if you, if you went to the Argentinian side, you'd have to drive for like 20 hours to get to the ocean. So. Chile was five hours away, four hours. I mean, Chile is four hours away at the most, but the ocean was like four and a half, five hours away from our house on the Chilean side. So we would just cross the Andes to Chile, and that's where we would have a vacation. And my dad had grown up in Chile a lot because his grandma was from there. So it was kind of like a, somewhere we always went to. Yeah. yeah. What you mentioned, both of your parents had their own businesses. What did they do? Yeah, my mom. Um, she first had a kindergarten where I went to. She was the headmistress, and it was in her old home. And her the office was in her old bedroom, turned office, and so she could see the front door from that office. Um, <laughs> she was never there because she she can't stay still much. Um, so we went to that kindergarten, and then she changed for a travel agency. So she was a travel agent, and my dad was a lawyer. Hmm. And my mom still is a travel agent. Agent. She's in her seventies, and she still does it. She loves it. Cool. Yeah. Super sweet. Yeah, I remember Sundays we would go to the office with them, and play in their in their office because they were one? still, you know, the travel agency. Oh. And my dad's office was next door, so we. Really? Yeah. They worked so hard. We would like, they would take us with them there to play. Oh. Yeah. Um, so they ha had their own businesses, and and then they chose to have their offices next to each other. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. my dad was also involved in the travel agency because he likes it too. Huh. They both like to travel, and yeah. Cool. 
Did you get to go on a lot of trips with your mom being in that? No. <laughs> no, it's just the Chile. And that was like, oh, what a relief, We're changing countries. I used to love the, that feeling of like, oh, I'm in another country, mm. like resting from your country, kind of. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, we grew up looking at brochures of places. Like my mom had all these brochures, and we would just look at them and dream of going places. Yeah. They would travel together, but we were so many, they couldn't take us. Um, um. My mom got to go on fun tours, they call them, you know, where you get to see the hotels. So she would go to Hawaii, Peru, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now, as an adult, how many countries have you visited? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely more than 10 or around that. I don't know. Yeah. Nice. Do you yeah. feel like your love for travel kind of started when you were a kid and your, yeah. or your curiosity? Yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely started when I was a kid because my mom has a million stories of trips, you know. She, she lived in Chile, she lived in Spain when she was young. Since she was 18, she started to live abroad. So, and also, like, my family stories are like, you know, your great-grandparents came from Spain, this, this guy came from Italy, and this was the story. He ran away from this, and this is how they started. And so it's all trip stories, stories of changing your life and going places and um, between that and, and my mom's travel agency and <laughs> um, yeah, I was always curious to go somewhere else or live somewhere else or I, I used to always wonder what would it be like to just change your life and live somewhere else from the stories from my, you know, grandma and yeah. Yeah, so the yeah. first time that you changed your countries of where you lived, was that when you came to the States? Well, when was that? Well, no, I went to Spain first. Mm. Um, so there's a tradition in my family. From my mom's side, her grandma used to take all the granddaughters to Granada in Spain, to Andalusia. And the women would learn flamenco dancing, and, and they, she would take them in a boat and, and then bring them back to Argentina if they wanted to come back. Um, so I was offered that, but I couldn't dance flamenco because I was, to, you know, well, I was told I couldn't because I had scoliosis. Oh. You know, like my spine was a bit, how do you say, bent, twisted and bent. Um, probably could have danced anyway, but I took it very seriously and I didn't. Um, so I went to Spain and I stayed at my uncle's house for a few months and then um, I didn't dance flamenco, so I was bored. And I was like, what can I do? Everything was closed for the summer. And I went to live in a house up in the mountains of the Alpujarras, which is like a little group of towns in the mountains in Spain, mm. in the south of Spain. That's where my great-grandfather was from. He was from one of those little towns. And I stayed in one of the towns at the top. Wow. And I was an, an, an apprentice tour guide for a while. Yeah? Um, that was my first house that I rented by myself. Wow. How old are you? 18. Wow. My mom didn't know that I was doing that. When they found out, they made me come back. Why? Uh, because they wanted, well, because they could still control me in a way, because in Argentina, you're not independent from your parents until you're 21. And um, my mother thought that I was not doing, she said, you, you didn't go from the Andes to hide in the Sierras of Spain. So come down from there and do something else. <laughs> so I, went traveling for a little bit and um, what did yeah. she want you to do 
well, maybe what she did or something where she knew what I was doing. Um, you know, like she wanted me to visit Paris and go see my uncle in Italy and um, meet the family from Europe and and then come back home. That was her plan for me. Um, but I found a pen that had an eraser on the back where you touch the ink with the eraser and the ink disappeared and I had a little uh, thing of seven trips on a train and I used it. 20 something times with that pen. <laughs> I stole my way through Europe. Um, and they were like, why are you not coming back yet? What money are you living with? <laughs> so I just stayed as long as I could. Um, yeah. That's so cool. Did you enjoy your time as the apprentice tour guide in the mountains? Yes, I loved it. I loved it. I did. Um, I thought the, those mountains were just little hills and stuff, and I, I don't, I didn't think, I didn't have the right gear. So sometimes I found myself in the snow without <laughs> the right shoes because I thought, oh, these are, this is like a small mountain, and we're by the sea. But then you got up a bit, and there was snow almost up to your knees. Oh wow! You know the snow that never dies. Um, so I learned some things about <laughs> not assuming what some landscape's gonna be like. Just ask questions. <laughs> Yeah. What was your boss like? Uh, oh, he was great. Jesus was his name. It's his name. Um, he was just a really fun guy who was a good leader and always in a good mood. Very cheerful guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And where did you, where did you go on your multiple adventure bus journey? <laughs> um, or train journey? Train journey and some buses. Oof, I went to, um, well, around Spain to, first I went to Italy to meet my family and then I went around France and, and then to England thinking I'm going to stay there, but then I came back. Um, Ireland, where else did I go? I can't remember, Amsterdam, I went to, oof, where else? I don't know, around those places, you know? Madrid, um, south of Italy, nice. Barcelona, oh, wow. you know, Paris. I loved Paris. I went twice to Paris. Nice. Yeah. And this was your first time, like, in different countries without parents? Yes. That was my first time in a different country without parents. Wow. I stayed in Nice for a long time. Hmm. Like, I made friends in that hostel. Because when you travel alone, you, you meet a lot of people. And yeah. 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 Do you still talk to anybody from those adventures? Yes, I do. My friend from Chile, Veronica, I met her in Barcelona. And then I met these Canadian girls in Nice and a friend from Mexico, also in Barcelona. Yeah, and I talk to all of them. Yeah. That's super fun. Yeah. And that I've seen me. them. Yeah. So you didn't stay in England, but then at some point in your life you moved back, yeah? Yes, I remember being in London thinking, I'm going to live here. I just knew it. I think I sat on a, the side of a bridge and I thought, I'm going to sit here when I'm older again. Like, I just knew that I would come back. I didn't know when. And actually I went back two years later, or a year, yeah, two years later I was back there. Hmm. Yeah, living, and I stayed many years. How many? 
first seven, then I left, and then two years later I came back and I stayed for like another five. Wow. Then I left and then I came back again. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I love Were you London. all the time in London? Yes, I was. I thought I was going to live in Brighton, but I ended Not up in London. Brighton. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. Super cool. And then yeah. when did you come to the States? Oh, I went to the States actually right before London. The yeah. first time? Yeah, the first time. Like uh, after that European trip, I did university in Argentina for a year, but then I left before arriving in London to save money. I went to the US. And I lived in Washington, D.C. And I translated news into Spanish from a radio station in the morning. And then I worked in like a bookstore and then in a restaurant um, to make money to study in London, to start studying in London. Wow. And yeah. um, it's crazy that you went to the U.S. to save money. That's like a crazy <laughs> Why? To, Why? It seems like it's like one of the most expensive places to live. Oh, you're right, actually. I didn't, I never thought about that. <laughs> it is expensive, but you can save. You, you get paid well, like if you have two jobs. I had two or three, because the radio station wasn't paid, but I wanted to do it. And then I had the bookstore and the restaurant. Wow. If you, if you work in the US, you can make money. Like, I didn't spend much. Yeah. Yeah. And you told me that you were working at the restaurant with your boyfriend? I was working, yes, I well, first we got this job in a pizza hut in a place called Hampton, Virginia. Because <laughs> um, we got, we, we went to the US with like a work and travel program that they used to do. And like if you pay extra, they find you a job in the US. And within the whole US, they found us a job in a pizza hut in Hampton, Virginia. <laughs> and then we, we enjoyed it. It was fun for a bit because we were with a group of people from Latin America and then we were like okay we're done because like you know I remember the fun was to go to the library there was nothing else to do so after <laughs> being to the library 10 times we were like okay <laughs> let's get out um, no offense to Hampton Virginia because it's very beautiful but we needed <laughs> some more design. yeah so we got our tip money and got on a Greyhound bus and went to um, Washington DC wow yeah, and I loved Washington, D.C. Yeah? Yeah. What did you love about it? It was kind of like a big city, but not too big. And I think for me, that was a really good transition before, you, before I lived in London, you know? Like a, a not too big city, and uh, you could get around. Like there was this bus that took you to the Kennedy Center, and I remember going once a week there to, for, for live music. Um, oh, it was just beautiful to walk around. There was good food. Music everywhere, it was great. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So now you are an actor and a voice actor and a writer. What else do you do? What else do I do? Oh, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was on. your like journey like to do to doing those things? Um, I started studying theater after I, I studied journalism and theater. Um, then I left journalism Was for theater. Was that in Argentina? Yeah, in Argentina. For That's one where year I, at Yeah, for a year. Mm -hmm. 
And then, because I like journalism because I like the writing part. But then the theater caught me much more. Um, and I, I, I went, I changed university, moved back to my hometown from Buenos Aires, to my, back to my hometown, and started theater, like committed to it in, in a degree. But obviously then I left a year later. And that year I started working in radio, just doing comedy characters, then helping in production at Siesta Time in another radio station. But just doing comedy here and there in different, in different shows. And that gave me the confidence later on in London to, you know, when I was studying theater in London, to start doing voiceover. Just, just slowly um, started going into their recording. Yeah. yeah. What did you love about theater that journalism didn't have for you as much? Oh, what a question. Um, I just, um, you know, I was studying journalism and I went to see a play. I was doing theater at night, you know, like once a week. Um, was deal with my parents like we're gonna pay for your degree if you do journal if you do something else, and and they were they were doing that and I could do theater one night a week, and during that time I went to see a play by Peter Brook in the International Theater Festival in Buenos Aires, mm. and I went to see that show and it was like I cannot like I don't know how to describe it it was just. Um, I went in there, and it wasn't like a play. It was just like there were people from all ages working, like very much, a lot of old people on stage, and and the way it was told, I don't know how to describe it. There were there were cameras in there, like screens. You would go inside of their minds because it was about like um, it was an Oliver Sacks book. The, mm. the the man who mistook his wife for a hat. <laughs> it was inspired in that. So oh, there was one. Wow. So it was like all kind of neurological. Um, um, how do you say conditions that these men had, and the way that they described it was very poetic. It wasn't mm. like there was a you know like these lines and, and this tension here and that. Like it, you know, it was different the mm. way it was told. Um, it wasn't like a play, it wasn't like anything I'd ever seen before, and I was so transported inside another world. Um, and I just loved everything it made me feel and think about, and I thought this is so powerful, this is one of the most powerful experiences I've ever um, been in. Mm. I want to do more of this, mm -hmm. I want more of this, I want to be part of this. Yeah. So that's when I left journalism. Super cool. I'm wondering what drew you to like to want to be an actor versus a playwright or composer for plays. Yeah, mm -hmm. what is it about like being in it that grabs you? I think um that's more like, I, I don't really know, but I think it's more what's your natural ability or what you've got developed at that, at that time, you know? Um, like naturally, I'm a performer, and so that's where I find I express myself better. I mean, and now I write, but playwriting is not, wasn't the first thing that, that drew me. I don't know, that's like instinctual. You're like, this is what I want to do. I mean, there must be a reason. Yeah. 
but I don't think about it. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember performing when you were little? Yeah, I remember getting really nervous. Hmm. And, um, and yeah, I remember it being fun. But, but yeah, getting nervous. You got nervous, and then when did it turn from like nervousness to fun, or was it when you both? go on stage? Mm. <laughs> when you go on stage, you don't, you're not nervous anymore. Huh? That's yeah. just the before. Yeah, it's the before. Hmm. But then I remember my brother, like being so scared of going on stage that he would cry and cry, and I was like, just don't make him go on stage. And they would send me to calm him down, and I did. But then he'd be like crying on stage. <laughs> <laughs> just crying on stage, dressed as a tree, just crying his eyes out. <laughs> and I was like, I told you not to make him go on. And now he's a musician and he just loves being on stage. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you and your siblings have similar interests? Yeah, I think we, we all, like, my sister is a filmmaker. Um, the three of them write. My brother and one of my sisters write poetry and my other sister writes um film scripts she's yeah so the three of them write it's, yeah interesting do yeah, you think yeah. that they are are inspired by you no i think i i didn't write i wrote after them i started writing way after they'd been writing for a long time hmm. yeah that has nothing to do with me huh yeah interesting i don't know where that comes from actually yeah, and your parents are not, are they artistic? No. Um, oh, I think everyone is in a way, like, but they didn't de dedicate themselves to art at all, actually. Yeah, not at all. Um, but my mom used to dance, you know, she dances flamenco. And at every party, my mom was like in the middle dancing, that kind of thing, but and they appreciate art very much in my house. But mm. yeah, I don't know where that comes from. Really don't know. Yes, my dad made us all read a lot. Well, made us all, invited us all to read a lot. There were, yeah. Yeah, what was your favorite book when you were little? Um, I cried and I cried until they finally bought me Little Women <laughs> because I was too young to have a book. I was six and I was like, give me Little Women. I couldn't even read. Um, they got it for me. I read four pages. I was exhausted. <laughs> so tired. I don't think I read four. I mean, that's an exaggeration. Probably two. I remember the first page. I used to know it by heart because I tried again and again. Um, <laughs> but I had this book and, you know, it was so exciting. It was mine. It was a yellow cover, a hard cover. What about Mujeres it? Did you like, what did you like about it? I liked that it was about girls, and these girls were really imaginative, and they, you know, yeah, that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Um, and that they they had this situation, you know, they were poor, but they would make the most of their, you know, mm. what they had and use their imagination. I don't know. I loved I loved that story. I still love it. Yeah. Then my granddad got me uh, the Knights of the Round Table or something, and I think I read some of it too. <laughs> what kind of book do you feel like has made the most impact on you, how you live your life? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to pick one book. Um, I'm sure later on it'll pop into my mind, but I don't know. Top three. 
top three. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I did love The Old Man and the Sea hmm. from Hemingway. Definitely Little Women. Um, what else? Another book. God, there's so many. I don't want to pick one. <laughs> I'll betray the others. Um, God, the books that I... Oh, if I could be thinking. I'm not. I'm very indecisive. I'm no worries. <laughs> Are you a Libra too? No, I'm oh. a Virgo. Oh, interesting. Are you a Libra? You're a Libra, no? See. Yeah. <laughs> See. Um, what about the old man in the sea? Was inspiring to you? I cannot remember now. Hmm. I stole it from some nuns that I used to live with. <laughs> Maybe some that's what inspired me. I live with. <laughs> I live with nuns. After my Europe trip, my parents told me, we'll pay for your degree if you live with these nuns in what? Buenos Aires. What? I live with these nuns, and I, would, I stole this book from them. Wait, why did, um, they, why did you live with nuns? I don't know. They were called, okay, so they were called Servidoras Consagradas Esposas de Dios. Consecrated Servant Wives of God. Some kind of nuns. They get married to Jesus at the church. They were white. There's a ceremony, there's a wedding. And then, but they can have a job, like they can be, you know, anything they want to do, but they're married to Jesus or God, one of them. Um, <laughs> and they live in this house, and they wear like long skirts and, you know, um, jumpers. And, um, and they, you know, they had this residency for women, and I used to live there. There was a curfew, I, yeah, what I tried to like? meet it. What was that like? Yeah. Oh, that was very interesting because I had come from backpacking in Europe <laughs> with all the freedom. All the freedom. Back into a curfew. And still, I was, you know, I was in Buenos Aires, so I was very inspired. But I was, yeah, well, it was just, you know, contradictory <laughs> huh. to my life. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How, how long did that last? A year till I left Buenos Aires. Wow. Yeah. And they had this. Yeah, they had a room with books. Hmm. Yeah. And you stole that book from them. Yes. And <laughs> then I started to love Hemingway. I don't, I don't love him so much anymore. Hmm. I think I liked his short stories. Then his novels, I'm not in love with. I like that you stole something from nuns. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I gave it to my cousin, and she was like, Dolores, if you don't give this back, you're going to get bad karma. And I was like, what's karma? <laughs> And uh, she explained it to me. I don't know if I ever put it back. I don't know. <laughs> what do you remember most from the book? The images. Mm. Like images of the boy, images of the man, of the sea. Yeah. Was it illustrated or just in your mind? No, in my mind. Mm. Just images, yeah. And all of the Hemingway stories, I remember images. Mm. You know, can you remember things you read? I used to love Milan Kundera, for instance. And the other day I was, I was thinking, what was, I read all these books. I cannot remember what they were about. Yeah. Does it's that like, happen? Um, yeah, it's like we absorb the information that's most important to us subconsciously. Yeah. But it's not like conscious in our minds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Totally. Maybe there's like no room for all of that. There's no room for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, when you, now you're a voice over actress and an actress and a writer, did those all come at the same time? Or which ones came? Theater was first? I think my love for theater was first, but at the same time that I was studying theater, I was working as a voice actor, so mm -hmm. that came first, really. Um, Professionally. Yeah, yeah, actually that was professional. Not, it wasn't planned or anything, but it, I wasn't wanting to do it, it just happened. And that was the first time that I was, you know, performing. Ve I got very nervous the first days. Um, yeah, that came first. Then I graduated. Then I, yeah, the acting came way later because you know, try go try to get work as an actor, and <laughs> it takes a while sometimes. It it did for me. In London, no, actually after I graduated, I got work. But you know, it's like I was studying, I was going to university, I was working. Yeah, so that came later, <clears throat> and then the voiceover was there too. I didn't think I was ever going to write. Mm. I, I, I remember liking writing when I was in journalism school thinking, oh, I'm going to be a travel writer. And then I forgot all about it, all about it. And then I started writing much, much later on, like like 20 years after that, mm. after, start, after the journalism thing, yeah. Mm. Um, when you first fell in love with Theater at the Oliver Sacks play. At the at the Peter Brook play, yeah. See, um, you said that it was fascinating, like learning about neurology and stuff, and all the different neurological conditions. And it was more fascinating to go into someone else's world mm. that way, you know, with images and like. It was poetic, and it was. And yeah, with their performance. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel like, even still and throughout your career, like acting has taught you about people? Yeah. Definitely. Do you feel like you've learned about people through acting? Yeah. Yeah, you learn about people, you learn about yourself. What did you learn? Or what I have you know. learned? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know, a lot. I think you, you kind of but learn a lot, yeah. Things you would have never considered or, you know, it's always surprises. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the life of a women that you would never live as. Mm. And, yeah. It seems like you have a pretty, like, free spirit in... Where you, where you can live, and right now you're living in Tulum, and you've lived in England and Spain. Do you feel like you've always had kind of a free spirit, or when do mm -hmm. you see that happening or shaping your life? I think that, um, I mean, I know that I'm not I mean, I do settle down for a while also, like in England, I stayed for so long. 
But there's a point where you feel it and you're like, okay, done. And you feel like it's the end of a chapter. And then instinctually, there's a moment where you know where you're going to go. Like, I would have never, ever imagined that from London I would end up in Ibiza. But I suddenly wanted to go, and a week later I left London, and I went to Ibiza, and then to Argentina, and then it's like, you, I don't know, I feel it. It's an instinctual thing. Mm. Sometimes there's a practical reason behind it, you know, like going to London and then studying theater there. It makes sense, right? I mean, I wanted to study in Cuba, but I needed to pay for the whole degree. And my parents blessed them. I'm being very hard on them. They, <laughs> they were very supportive later on. But they, uh, they were like, no, we're not going to pay for your degree in Cuba. So I thought, okay, um, I can't save the money. Like, I, I needed to have the whole money for the whole two years of studying in Cuba. So I thought, okay, I'll go somewhere where I can work. And I went to London. Since I was little, I was dreaming of going somewhere else, dreaming of living in different places because my mom had done it um, and my family had done it and I knew that I could and my parents used to tell me look you just you can live anywhere in the world you just learn the language and respect the law of the place that's what my dad used to say you respect the law of where you're going and you can go anywhere um, and so I used to think oh the world is my home you know you can go anywhere it's not so easy then when you try and get a visa to certain places but it's you know, it's, everything is usually doable. Um, and yeah, it's like I, I feel it instinctually where I want to go. And that's how I arrived here, how you arrived here probably. And, and I don't know where I'll go next. But yeah, it could be that I stay somewhere for 10 years or three months, you know? Yeah. The idea like that you just said everything is usually doable. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that most people have that mentality. I think mm -hmm. it's very unique and helpful in living a free-spirited, self-guided mm -hmm. life. Yeah. How do you feel like you came to that conclusion, like everything is usually doable? <laughs> from trying and getting it done you know like sometimes when you're young and you have all this energy um, and you do crazy things like work every single day and go to you know I remember doing university in London not having a day off for like eight months you know and every living day that I wasn't in university I was working and thinking what is a day off who cares who needs that and then fainting once at work because I was so tired. But like, I used to think that whatever I want to do, I can. I don't know, I think it's a dreamer's kind of um, mind, you know? Like, mm -hmm. if you're a dreamer and that's just the way that you are, you're not gonna see a lot of limits and you're gonna hit yourself, your face against the wall and you will do. But then us people who are like that, we end up doing things that, you know, the things that you dream of or beyond and hit your face against the wall. Um, <laughs> but it's like you have to like not see a lot of limits. If you see the limits and you're very realistic, oh, forget it. <laughs> I never want to be realistic. <laughs> you know? I'd rather um, 
Yeah, I'd rather be a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten, like, resistance to that idea of being a dreamer? From the world and people? See, or oh, yeah, so family? Much. Oh, yeah. Well, my family's a bit like that. My brother and sisters are like that. And um, I think my parents kind of, you know, even in spite of trying to control me just because I was the first child and, and I, you know, and they didn't know what the world was like now out there, etc. Um, you get some resistance, but when you're a dreamer, you don't really see it, you know? Then you get your heart broken, obviously, but that's just your nature, you know, and you just... Go on. <laughs> what Unrealistically, go on. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you, yeah, what makes you keep trying shit when it doesn't work? It's just like the love of life, kind of, you know? Yeah. And I think it's the perspective that each person has, you know? Maybe there were things, obviously there must have been things I didn't do because I was scared. Um, I'm sure, like, we all have our limits. What's, like, the time that you remember most where you thought about, like, giving up or not doing something that you're... Giving up? What? On what? Oh, yeah, many times you think about giving up. (laughs) All the time. You just don't give up, but... But, yeah. Don't don't you, like, think of giving up? Like... And then what happens? You give up, and then the next day you're over it, right? (laughs) This is an interview of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens, I think. I give up and then the next day I'm I'm over it. Yeah, sometimes when you're trying to do something and then it's hard, you do think about giving up. Do you remember one moment where you were closest to doing that in life or in um, career? Yeah, I, I remember also when people were telling me to give up. And I was like, oh. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I remember I was in London. One of the times that I had lived away from London and then come back to London. I'd been living in Spain for a bit in Madrid. No, in Argentina, then in Madrid, and then came back to London. And it was like, I was, what, 30? 30? 29? 30? Um, yeah, 29. Um, and. Um, I was working a million jobs, you know, like temping jobs in an office and selling makeup and in a shoe shop. And I never had money to do anything. And my, because, you know, I wanted to be free from, you know, when you're a temp, you, you can say tomorrow I'm not coming to work because I have an audition or a, or a gig. And so then that freedom is expensive, you know, you make less money. You don't get paid for holidays and things like that or like when you're sick, you know. And so I remember I was renting a room at my friend's house for a while. And then I slept on her sofa for a while. Um, and, and she was like, oh, I wish that you could come you know, to dinner with us and, and do things like that. And why don't you just like for once try to just, just leave this acting stuff, you know? Because don't you want to have like a life? And I was like, mm, that is my life. Like, I don't care about going to dinner. Do you know, do you know what I mean? But they were saying like, what if you, like, have money for a change? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> like, why don't you leave that acting thing? It's like, isn't it really tough? I was like, yeah. It is really tough. <laughs> um, and I did consider it. I was like, oh, that would be so nice, right, to have a salary and, and just leave the acting thing. You know, I did consider it for five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. 
um, yeah, and then you're like, no, I can't, because this is just who I am, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. Are you glad that you didn't give up? I don't know. Yeah, no, I am glad. Yeah. I mean... No, yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am. I think I had this, like, temping job once as a human resources coordinator somewhere, and actually I started to make some money with it, and I remember how, like, my mom was so happy, my friends were happy that I could join. You know, my friends weren't actors, because my friends who were actors were in the same as me. They're all the artists, but... You know, I started to join those things, and, and then they said at that job, like, do you want to become a permanent at, the, at this place? And I said no. And I remember how disappointed my mom was and everybody, you know. And yes, yeah, you, you want to give up. But also, you want to give up cause from other things, like you have an idea of how your, your life should go if you're an actor, right? Or if you're, a, a, I don't know, a writer, etc., any art thing. Um, you have this idea, or I had this idea, like, okay, I'm a struggling actor, and then there's a point where it becomes, it gets better, and I get jobs, right? And I get paid from those jobs, and then I get more jobs, and then it becomes better. That, that didn't happen, you know? Um, you're up and you're down, and one day you're filming something, the next day your scene is in the cutting room, in the bin of the cutting room, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then the next day you're up and then you're down. You know, that's the way it goes. You just, that, yeah. So I think I wish I'd, like, relax more about that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and not had an idea of how it should go. Mm. Or, yeah. like, not, you know... It's hard to let go of expectations and like part of being a dreamer is kind of having large expectations. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Or else yeah. you don't really get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need some of that. You need some yeah. expectations. Maybe it's like expectations but like holding them loosely. <laughs> yes, or like you should like open up your mind as to what you can do or, you know, I wish I had more. Because mm. then, you know, even if you're an artist, there's an industry and the industry, you know, they, they kind of push you to what you should do as an artist and you should go this way and this is the way you should do it and then your agent wants you to be like this or like that, blessed, but you know, they need to make some money. Um, and then you like fall, you can fall into a matrix inside of the arts too. True. Yeah. What do you feel like has helped you like keep your mind open the most in life? Um, mm. not I'm not that, you know, I sound like it. I'm not that open-minded. I, I do <laughs> crash against myself and go like, oh, you should open up your mind. Um, <laughs> I think experience, you know, you end up having to. I think I'm lucky how I grew up because, you know, not everybody comes from a home where they, they tell you that you have possibility. So even though I come from a conservative town, um, my parents always spoke about possibility.
And then they try to control me, but they spoke about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing out here. And you they made me read, it. you know, and open up my mind. Yeah, reading mm. has opened up my mind a lot. Mm. A lot. Yeah. No, I think experience on the people that you meet, even though I like I come from a place where everybody's kind of the same. Mm. I always knew I wanted to live in cities where people were different from each other. Like it was more multicultural, more diverse. I always knew that I wanted to live in places like that. Even now in Tulum, we're in, we're in Mexico in a little jungle by the sea and it's pretty diverse. So yeah, I guess mm. that opens up your mind. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just being around different people with different ideas. And yes, exactly. Yeah. You said you still feel like you have room to grow and like open-mindedness and stuff like mm -hmm. is there something that you feel kind of called to explore right now my life was going in one direction and a year ago it just um, went back into my direction <laughs> um, that opened up my mind um, like when I turned 40 I had an idea of what my life should be like whether I like it or not, it's true. I had it, like, I think I did have an idea. Yeah, I had an idea of what I should have done or, or how I should be settled, etc. And, or how I should live. I don't know why I had that. Um, now I'm 41, thank God. <laughs> it's different, now I'm, I'm living, I'm learning about um, following my instinct more, you know, because you think that growing up is, or getting older means that you'll turn into a certain person, you know, that this, this dreamer that I am is going to turn into this um, settled, whatever that means, person that, you know, and no way, I'm worse. I'm <laughs> the reality is I am worse, which is great. Um, so I'm learning to accept that, you know, I'm accepting who I really am and getting to know who I am. And I think I do. So that's something I'm still learning. What are you learning the most right now about yourself? For example, <laughs> when I moved here, I was like, oh, I'm going to move in the middle of the jungle. I'm going to be alone. Yeah, I like being alone, but I'm not so much of a loner. Like, I like people more than I thought I did. Um, that's something I learned. I accepted that, I, you know, some parts of us don't change much since we're like eight, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and they shouldn't. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Um, I started writing more last year, and also, you know, I'm learning that I have these stories, and and that I'm a storyteller in general, not the way I thought I was, only, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess, like, if we can dream, but hold our expectations lightly. <laughs> lightly, What yeah. would you, what kind of impact would you like to have on the world or? in your small community? Oh, just not do any damage. Um, <laughs> I don't know. 
um, I would like to contribute, you know, to, um, oof, contribute to, oof, I don't know, I, I, I want to tell stories, not just mine, other people's, and, and just um, connect, get people to connect to each other, to themselves. Uh, yes, yeah. Very much. That's what I want to do. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit vague, right? It sounds vague, but that's it. As a yeah. fellow like storyteller and lover of stories, what do you feel like are the... Well, let's assume that best in this context means your highest goal, which is to to get people to connect to themselves and to each other, what would you say the, the best part of stories are? Mm, the best part of stories. Well, what they, you know, they reveal, they reveal um, something unknown to you. Like in a good story, the, the person or what, or creature, <laughs> what happens to the thing, going through the journey, um, something happens to them where their world changes, right? So something's revealed. <laughs> but yeah, it's like what we learn, you know, we just open a little, a little a new window in, in our mind, you know, that's what the stories do. Mm -hmm. It's like, boop, boop, boop. Start to open mm. windows in your mind, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I am not high. I do not do drugs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's the what we can learn about each other, you know, and they understand each other better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like was revealed to you about yourself and like your most? changed parts of your life or parts where your life was changed? Ooh. You mean where, when my life has changed like drastically? Yeah. What I learned about myself? Like in your narrative and in, in your story. Yeah. Those, those parts where something drastic changes. What do you feel like you mm. was revealed to yourself about yourself? Oh God, so much. Well, sometimes you learn about how strong you are or what you're doing that you, that you realize, why am I doing this, you know? I actually don't like this. You know, you, you kind of, when those things happen, you kind of get a magnifying glass on yourself, right? And you're like, oh, look, let's change that. Or, oh, this is where I am here, this is, how strong I am or how weak I am here. Um, there is a crack here, <laughs> you know? Those are, yeah. Am I being vague again? Yes, I'm being very vague. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. the part where you start interviewing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when you, yeah. <laughs> so much is revealed to us in those Times where we feel like flipped over on our backs, <laughs> and we're like, ah, how do I 
get up? I don't know, like, yeah. can I get up? <laughs> can I get up? Yeah, exactly. What yeah. have I got here to get up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now I want to ask you. It's so funny. This is the part where I want to interview you now. <laughs> Maybe in closing, if there's one thing that you want to be known for, what would oh, you like no. to be known for? You say that and I just want to put a cover on myself. No, just forget it. <laughs> I don't know. No. No, there's nothing I want to be known for. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> well, maybe someone who, um, somebody who said, fuck being realistic. <laughs> I don't know. It's like just, it. um, if anything, yeah. At least you'd be like, okay, well, uh, this one didn't give in. <laughs> That's it. She didn't give in. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> she didn't give in. <laughs> or give up. Or no, nah, not give up. She didn't give in. I don't even know if I'm saying it that correctly because it's in English. Do I really want? Is that what I want to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um. What she if, remained herself. <laughs> she remained herself. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, dear. Thank you. Our theme music is by Kimani Thomas, and support for Eyes Wide comes from members around the world. Find out more at eyeswide.life forward slash join.